We began last week talking to you on this subject of rediscover. We're going to continue that today, and today we're going to be talking about rediscovering your family. So would you take your Bibles, go to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, and as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm believing that God has already ministered to you and already touched you, but as we gather together today in different locations, we're believing that the power of the Word of God is going to touch your life and encourage you and strengthen you. So let's get ready to hear what God is going to speak to all of us corporately today. What we know is this, is that in our lives, that there is nothing more important, and let me say this carefully, there's nothing more important than the family unit. Government's not more important, and I'll even go one step further, the church is not more important. You say, Pastor, I thought the church was above all. No, God created the family before he created the church. Yet what we find is, is that in our society, we find that day in and day out, our families are under attack. We find that everything in society is pulling at us, trying to destroy our families. And so we have to today, we have to set a basis. We have to get a foundation laid today in all of our lives and how that we live as believers and as Christians so that we can make a difference in our family and then as a result that our family can make a difference in the world. The book of Genesis, the second chapter, if you would look there, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you out of the second chapter and then go to the fourth chapter and read a couple of more. But Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had made, had had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam prophesied. I know that's not what it said, but that's what he does. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now the reason I wanted to read those verses to you today was to show you that God is the originator. He is the creator of the family. That it was God who came up with the idea of family. And yet what we find is, is that we find everything that is pulling against our family. H- have you noticed that, that in our society that it seems like everything we do pulls away from the family? I mean, think about this. A hundred years ago, uh, it, you, would, you would have probably grown up on a farm somewhere, and, and all day long you would have spent with your family, or most of the day, and even as a child they might have sent you to a one-room schoolhouse, but you would have come back and you would have, you would have done chores at home with your family. You you would have spent the majority of your time with your family. In fact, you'd be about like the Amish are today, all right? Now, I, I don't want to go back to that, all right? I don't want a horse and a buggy and a hat. I, I'm not, 
I'm not asking for that, but what I'm saying is, is that's the way life was for thousands of years, and then the Industrial Revolution came along, and then we've seen so many things happen, and especially in the last 25 to 35 years, we have had everything in the world that has been pulling apart at the fabric of what we call family life. I mean, think about it. Think about how much time is spent away from your family. I mean, you, you go and you work all day long, and then you come home and you give out. Uh, your, your life has been expended and expand, uh, expansiveness of your life has been given away at your workplace, and you come in and you're tired, you're angry, you're frustrated, you kick the cat and cuss out somebody. And Okay, now I know y'all wouldn't ever do that, but somebody does, all right? And, and, and so you, you find those kind of things happening in life. I mean, you, and, and then you come home and, and, and all the media of life now has a way of disconnecting. Have you noticed that? We call it social media. Really? I, I mean, you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and for twits and, and, you know, all the stuff. I mean, I, I've got a friend of mine who this past week, I got this really stupid, stupid text from him. It was just weird. It didn't make sense. It was, you know, just jumbled up. Anybody ever get one of those? I, help, I hate self-correcting stuff. But anyway, but, but this was just, just, it was words. It was all words, but it didn't make sense. And so I just texted him back. I was at a restaurant. I texted him back, and I just said, huh. Right? So I, he, he didn't send me anything. So I got out of the restaurant a little bit later, and, and I was driving down the road. Again, I wasn't texting. All right? But I did call him, and, and I called him, and I said, uh, what does this message mean? He said, oh, he said, I looked at that. He said, here's what happened. He said, he said I have a voice recognition that I can talk into my cell phone, and it, then it will text you, and, and then you can read the text. I said, hey, Bubba, here's an idea, new invention. It's called the phone. You can talk into it, and I can hear you. Right? I mean, he talks into his cell phone. It texts me. My text talks to my cell phone and talks to me. What, what about we cut out the middleman? <laughs> uh, am I the only one? I mean, I'm, I'm in rooms sometimes with people younger than me, and they're sitting five feet from each other, and they're, they're doing this. And I go, what are you doing? They're going to talk into each other. <laughs> Look up, darling. They're right there. I mean, is that not what life is about at this point? I mean, we, we have broken down uh, so much communication, and, and we've lost some things. And so today, I want to help you uh, in rediscovering your family. Some of you might have people that, that live in your house that you don't even know. It's just a thought. And I'm not talking about stragglers who come in with your kids and show up at breakfast. All right, so, so I'm going to give you some things. I'm, I'm going to talk about how to rediscover some things today as far as our relationships in our family and what the Word of God has to say about it. Uh, the, the book of 1 Peter, the third chapter, I'm going to read just a little bit of, of the seventh verse. It says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, here's, here's number one, all right, write this down. We want to rediscover today how to understand each other, all right? Now, let me tell you, it's needful that you learn how to understand each other. Husband, wife, children, mom and dad, the whole business. Because here's what I found out through the years. What you say and what they hear doesn't match up. Come on, you can tell your kids, go clean your room. 
What they heard was, go hide everything under the bed. <laughs> right? I, I mean, you, you can say uh, to your wife, you know that dress you wore last week looks better than this dress. What she hears is, you just said, I'm fat. I mean, there's all kinds of miscommunication out there. So we, we've got to learn how to understand one another. We, we've got to come to that place that, that we really focus in on that. Now, how do we do that? Let me, let me show you how you do that. To really bring understanding to our relationships is you've got to make sure that what is important to the other person becomes important to you. Amen. Don't miss it. This is the how-tos, Okay. You've got to go out of your way. You say, well, you know, I, I really don't, you know, what my spouse or my kids or my siblings or whatever, I really don't care about that. Well, sometimes you have to make things important to you. I can remember when my children were playing uh, ball in the summer, and, and I, have a, I have a daughter who is seven years older than my son, so about the time she quit playing girls softball, my son was in t-ball, and I spent I don't know how many years at the ballpark. I mean, it, it got ridiculous, and then, and then my son would get all-stars, and we'd have to travel and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'll be real honest with you, I, I really didn't, especially in the earlier days, I really didn't care to, to go out and sit in the hot sun and watch kids throw dirt up in the air and try to catch it, right, or hit the ball and run the bases backwards or, or whatever it would do. But you know what? It was important to my children, so it was important to me. See, that's how understanding comes about. And people say, well, do you like such and such that much? And the answer to that may be no, but I like that person that much. Let me, let me help you. Let me do some marriage counseling. Hey, husbands, I know you don't like it, but why don't you go shopping with your wife and not complain the whole time? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, come quickly, Lord. Right? Now, let me, let me help you. You might reap some benefits out of it. Now, I'll wait on you to get it. Guys are a little slow. The, the, the neurons don't click quite as fast for us. All right? I, I mean, there, there, there's something about men, men say, you know, I, I'm the man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. You ever heard a man say that he's the head of his house? Ever heard that? Now, I, I understand biblical stuff. Don't mess with me. All right? Uh, but, but I found out years ago, you may be the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. Right? And, and so you, you've got to work in this whole process of understanding. You know, the guy wrote the book a while back, a few years back now, called, uh, and I'll, I'll get it confused because I'm a man. But anyway, it's, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus or vice versa, you know, this whole thing. And, and I found out through the years that, that you can say something and, and they, they totally hear something else. Right? And so you have to work at this whole aspect of understanding. How do we work at that? How do we go about that? Well, the book of James, and it's talking to, to men. The book of James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, it's men, he says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, guys, that ought to be a life verse. I know you're loving it, all right? Man, we got to listen because I want to help you. I read something a few years ago that says a man, an average man, and I'm sure most of you are average, uh, that an average man speaks about 10,000 words a day. 
it says that the average woman, I'm not making this up, that the average lady speaks over 25,000 words a day. And some of you ladies are well above average. So that's why the Word of God says men be swift to hear. Because if you'll learn to be swift to hear, read the next part of that verse, and slow to speak, you'll find out that your marriage and your family will be a whole lot better. And so we need to learn, we need to rediscover how to understand one another. Second thing we need to do, Ecclesiastes 5, 5 says, better not to vow than to vow and not pay. You say, well, what's that about? Here it is. We need to rediscover, number two, how to keep our commitments. Now, now I want to tell you, one of the things that happens in marriages is that we quit keeping our commitments. I mean, we, we do everything under the sun to get each other, and then once we have each other, we forget our commitments. We forget our commitments to our children. Our children forget their commitments to their moms and dads. And, and the problem is, is that we miss out on the understanding that when we keep our commitments, what it does is that it builds loyalty to one another. See, when you do what you say you are going to do for your children or for your companion, what that does is, is that ramps up the loyalty in that marriage or in that family. And the higher that that goes, the less that the enemy is going to be able to do to destroy that family. Now, I want to tell you, this society that we live in is doing its dead level best to destroy your family, to pull it apart. But when there is loyalty within the side, the family, the family lives at a greater level of cohesiveness so that you don't find yourselves being torn apart all the time. And so there, there's that need of just when you say you're going to do something, you do it. When you say you're going to be home at a certain time, you show up. You know, I'm really doing much better preaching than your response. I mean, if, you know, you say, well, you know, I got tied up and I couldn't, I was at the office and, and, you know, another client came in or whatever. Okay, tell that client, who's more important, the client or your companion? So tell that client, hang on. There's a thing, remember, I talked about it earlier, there's this thing called a phone. E.T. phone home. Whatever your initials are, call home and say, hey, I got tied up at the office. I got tied up wherever. I'm not going to be there. I'll be there whenever. And, and, and keep those communications. Keep that going because in that, what you're doing is, is that you're building the loyalty to one another. And so when you make a commitment, whether that's to your children, and I want to tell you, I believe we ought to honor the commitments we make to our children. Again, talking about uh, ball, I, I made a commitment. I was a pastor, and, and pastors can get so tied up in everything going on at church that they, they really have a tendency to neglect their family. And so when my children were small, I made a commitment, and I told my leadership at the church that I was pastoring, I said, look, when there's a ball game, don't call because I'm not coming. All right? And I said, if somebody's in the hospital, if somebody needs counseling, somebody, I said, somebody can take care of it, but it won't be me because here's what I believe. I believe that my family comes first, not my job. 
And so, unless I was out of town, and the whole time that my kids were involved in sports, I was always at their games, if at all possible, because I wanted them to know that I felt like they were important. Now, you need to make commitments to your children. Children need to make commitments to their parents. Listen, kids if, and teenagers, if you want your parents to trust you, then do what you say you're going to do. All right? Don't get all bent out of shape because they tell you you can't run with so-and-so because you haven't proven trustworthy. Make a commitment, stick to the commitment, and then loyalty begins to flow in the whole family and everything is much better. All right? Thirdly, we need to learn, we need to rediscover how to give respect. You remember respect? R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Come on, you, you, you got it? Th this whole thing about respect. Romans 12, 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Preference to one another. We've got to learn how to give respect. I have seen husbands and wives treat each other in ways that they wouldn't treat a dog. I have heard spouses talk to each other in ways that they would never talk to an employee or an employer. Boy, I am really, really messing your world up. Why is it that the people who are the closest to us are the ones we treat the worst? Why is it that we can give respect to somebody at work, but we come home and we talk down to everybody in the house? See, the word respect really equals honor. Are we really honoring one another in the family? Do we really take time? In fact, the Bible talks about that we are to delight to honor. You need to delight to honor those who are in your family. And, and that whole process there is about respect. How do I go about showing respect to those who are around me and who, those who are in my family? Why can I respect somebody who is a stranger more than I can respect those who are the closest to me? I mean, really? Don't, don't you think life would be much better if you would respect those the closest to you? People's, I, I know what people are thinking this today, and they're saying, well, you know, th this doesn't sound very spiritual. Oh, it's very spiritual. If you'll get your family right, everything else in life will begin to move in a greater way. People say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I've been praying for God to fix my family. Why don't you quit praying, and why don't you start acting? See, some things God's not going to do. I, I know you don't like this. You want somebody to wave over you and fall out and it'll be all right. No, there are some things that you are going to have to do. And one of those is you've got to respect one another. Now, how do I go about respecting? Well, you need to respect each other's time. Now, I'll, I'll talk to husbands and wives here. Guys, uh, understand, uh, at least I, I am wired that, that all day long I'm going, I'm doing, and whatever, and especially after, you know, I've ministered or preached or whatever, when I come home, I am totally drained. All right, I'm out. I, I'm, I'm just out. So my, my kids knew this, and now my wife knows it. Give me some time. Let me go to my man cave. 
and let me find a remote and let me put my brain in neutral and let me just do this. That's all I want to do for about an hour. And then we'll talk. Don't meet me at the door with World War III. Don't lay out, you know, the Gettysburg Address when I come in. I just give me some space. When, when Sherry and I first got married, um, Sherry's a morning person. I mean, she's just happy, loves Jesus. I think she loves the devil sometimes. She just, she just loves everybody. And she wakes up happy. She wakes up excited. Wakes up wanting to talk. And now, I wake up early now, but used to, I thought, you know, I thought if God wanted, used to back in the day, I thought if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he'd just schedule it later in the day. <laughs> and, and so we first got married, and, and, and for about the first six months, we'd get up, and you're getting ready, and it was not pretty. And so we, we had to come to an understanding. Don't talk to me for an hour. C come on. G give me an hour, then we'll talk about the book of Revelation. We'll talk about anything you want to. But give me an hour to get away. Uh, now, whatever, that's mine. Yours may be different. But we need to learn to respect each other's time. If you'll learn to do that, life will flow a whole lot better. Not only do we need to respect each other's time, we need to respect each other's privacy. We, we, we really do need to do that. You say, you mean between spouses? Yeah. There, there, are, there are some things that need to be private. You, you don't have to know everything. Uh, in fact, can I just meddle for a minute? There are times where you're driving down the road and it's completely quiet in the car. And wives will go, What are you thinking? <laughs> I'll answer that question. You'll never have to ask it again. What are you thinking? Here you go. Ready? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> we have gone to that place in our brain, that box that says nothing, and we are having a ball right there. <laughs> it is the most exciting place that we go all day long, right there, nothing, not thinking, not dwelling, not trying to pay the bills, not thinking about the kids, not thinking about, I mean, we're not thinking about mother-in-laws. We are in nothingness. You know it's the truth. So respect each other's privacy. Respect your children's privacy. I'm not, I'm not talking about things that are destructive in their life, but, you know, let, let them have some privacy. Well, let them have some things that are theirs. Let them have some space that's theirs. I'll give you one more thing to respect. Respect each other's property. You, you may not know why that little knick-knack is so important, you know, that little thing she's got sitting on the shelf and, you know, that's right in your way every time you go to brush your teeth. <laughs> and so you're always moving it and sticking it in the closet or hiding it or whatever. Just leave it alone. It means something. 
You know, or, or you go out and he's got tools just strolled all over the garage. And you start kicking and muttering under your breath. Just, just come on. Just give him, give him some space. Let him, let him throw tools wherever he wants to. The tools and his stuff is more important than your neatness. Okay, I'll move on. All right? Let me give you the fourth one. We got two more if you can handle them. We need to rediscover how to offer encouragement. Come on, everybody needs to be encouraged. The book of 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, the 11th verse says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. In other words, encourage, build up, strengthen one another. I want to tell you, and and I'll give you wives a secret. Your husband craves your encouragement. You, You don't believe it, you may not know it, and he'll never tell you, but your husband wants you to encourage him. Let me give you another one. Daddies, your little girls want your encouragement. Your little boys need an attaboy. Moms, you need to be encouraging. You need to encourage your children. We need to do that. How do we go about doing that? We learn to point out the positive. Now, I have to work on this one. This one is one that I struggle with because I'm the guy who can walk into a room and there's a thousand things happening, but I'll see the one thing that's wrong. It's a gift. (laughs) I didn't say a spiritual gift. It's just a gift. I can, I can have, I mean, the, the staff knows they can have everything right and there can be one little something off and I'm going to key right on it. And you know what? I have to work, I have to talk to myself. Anybody have to have to talk to yourself? Come on. It's okay to talk to yourself, they say, as long as you don't answer. So I just keep a running, I just keep talking, I don't ever answer, I never stop. So, so but, but I, have to, I have to remind myself, I had to remind myself today. I was, I was here early and, and some of the, the volunteers came in and I was needing to tell them something uh, that I wanted them to do. And, and as I'm going up the steps into the, uh, the control room up there, I had to remind myself, I slow down and say hello, good morning first. Now, that sounds weird to you. That's just the way I'm wired because my nature is let's hit the problem, let's deal with it, and let's move. It's just, I'm just wired that way. And I have to talk to myself, like, slow down, compliment them, talk to them, let them. Wh- whatever it is, you need to learn. Some of y'all just looking at me. <laughs> really? Like you got all this figured out. Huh. All right. Point out the positive. Let me give you another one. Use your words to encourage. Speak in an encouraging way. Talk to them. And t- t- don't, don't look at your kids and say, you're going to wind up in the penitentiary. <laughs> and then you wonder why they wind up in the penitentiary. You know, I've heard, I've heard parents go, that's a bad kid. It's not a bad kid. It's a kid who may be doing something bad, but it's not a bad kid. You, you need to watch what you say. You need to, you need to learn to encourage with your words. Uh, another way to encourage is to give gifts. I figured I'd get a lot of amen on that one. Give gifts. And they don't, they don't have to be million-dollar gifts. You know, they say it's the thought that counts. Now, some of you need to think a little bit harder. All right? But, but you know, give gifts. Do you, th- this is a way of encouragement. 
The last one, the fifth one that we need to rediscover, I think is probably the most important of everything I've talked about. And that is this. We need to learn, we need to rediscover how to ask forgiveness. Wow. Aren't you glad you were laughing a while ago? Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do forgiveness. We need to learn how to forgive. We need to rediscover forgiveness. Listen. You need to learn to overlook the little things. Too many of us make everything major. Some things are not really that important. And even when they are, there are moments that we need to learn how to forgive. There's this whole aspect that we've got to understand is that forgiveness is the oil of life. It really does Make life together in a family smoother. If you would learn how to forgive each other. Listen, let me tell you something. As parents, if you've never asked your children for forgiveness, something's wrong. Because there are no perfect parents. And especially when my children were smaller, I've had to go to my children and say, I need you to forgive dad because I lost my cool or I said something or I did. I had to ask forgiveness. It's kind of a humbling experience to ask a five-year-old for forgiveness. But sometimes you need to do that. Sometimes you need to go, you're not always right. And let let me just give you a word of encouragement here because a lot of us mess it up when we go to do this. And here's what we do. We know there's problems. Now, now let, me, let me back up just a second before I get there. Wives, as a husband and as a man, can, can I talk to you just a second? Come on, give me a nod. All right, thank you. There's a question that we ask as men that y'all always lie. Here's the question. We're driving down the road. It's quiet. It's silent. There's ice on the right side of the car. We walk into the house. The temperature is sub-zero, and the air conditioner is not turned down that low. And we say, what's wrong? And you lie. Nothing. (laughs) And we're not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but we know that's not the truth. And so we start trying to figure it out, but we're not bright enough. So what we wind up usually doing is we start confessing the things that you don't know about. And instead of things getting better, they get worse because you lied on the front end. When we say what's wrong, don't make us guess. Just go. You left your underwear in the middle of the floor, and I'm sick of picking it up. 
Got it. Now, in, the, in this whole process of, of learning to forgive and learning to conduct ourselves in those relationships, what we have to do is, is that we have to understand from the Word of God how important forgiveness really is. God said to us, you must forgive one another. You've got to do that. You've got to come to that place where you release unforgiveness. Now, here's what I was going to say a minute ago. Don't mess it up when you know there's conflict by saying, whether it's a child, a family member, whatever, by saying to them, well, if I've done anything wrong, you just blew it. Because you wouldn't be asking for forgiveness if you had not done something wrong. Just say, I did something wrong. As a man, I'm not sure why. Now, women, they got to figure it out. They can give us all. They'll, they'll do much better. But as a man, we just go, I messed up. Please forgive me. And you know what? Life will move forward. And for all of us who have trouble forgiving, we need to remember that the Scripture says that as we forgive each other is how God forgives us. And I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be forgiven of God. So therefore, I've got to be willing in my relationships to forgive one another. Now here's the deal, and I close. In this whole process that I've talked about today, about rediscovering our family, what I've just shared with you not only will work in your family. Some of you say, well, I'm single and I live by myself. Yeah, okay. What I've taught you today will work in every relationship in your life. If you would put this to play day in and day out, you would find your life much better. And if our lives would be much better, then we would be better witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so my challenge to you today is this. Learn what works and what needs to change in your relationships. And as you do, you will see the hand of God upon your life mightily and the greatness of God. Amen?